turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. And if just one more time we can just stand for the reading of the word, just for the honor of the word as we read it. Exodus chapter 4. Verse 2, I'm reading from the New King James. It says, So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, Speaking of Moses, a rod. And turn quite a few chapters or books later to Zechariah. It's one of those small prophets. He wasn't a small prophet, but it's one of the small prophets of the Bible. There's only a few chapters. It's a powerful, powerful uh, book of the Bible. But Zechariah, spelling S-Z-E-C-K-C-H, sorry. Zechariah 4 and 10. When you're there, say amen. amen. For who has despised the day of small things? Everybody say small things. For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Don't underestimate what's in your hand. It may appear small to you, but through faith, that small thing that you hold in your hand can become a great thing. And my goal this morning is, by the help of the Lord, is to convince everyone in this room of that very thing before you leave. So I wonder if one more time we can close our eyes and just pray. I want you to pray with me. Maybe some don't like to pray out loud, but why don't you pray out loud just with a whisper then? But I would want everybody to pray because listen again, it's not my prayer for you that's going to always make the difference. It's your prayer for yourself. And so I want you to pray. This is what I want you to pray yourself is that yourself and everyone in this room comes under complete Word didn't come to me. It was a good word out there. I couldn't think of it. But that you're, you, you believe this and you accept this and you acknowledge this and you take this in. You are sold to what this concept I'm saying. So why don't we just close our eyes and let's pray together. Jesus, God, I pray for every person in this house, including myself, that God, let this word just not be another Bible study. Let it not just be another message. But God, let it be something that goes inside all of us. And I pray that you help everyone in this room understand they might be small themselves in this world. But God, you can use small things to do great things. Because it's only then that you will get the glory and you will get the praise. And I pray you anoint these lips of clay and all of our hearts, God, to receive your word. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. And everyone said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Don't underestimate what's in your hand. Exodus 4 and 2, without getting into the entire context of this particular chapter, God had just called Moses from a burning bush, and he was telling Moses what his what his calling was going to be and what he was going to do for God. And Moses, like anybody else with no confidence, started to rebuke God. He said, God, I can't do this. There's no way. They're not going to believe me. 
I got problems with speech. I can't talk coherently. Anybody ever made excuses to God why you can't do something? Maybe it's just me. But I know I have done it. And what I love about Zechariah 4 and 10 is it gives us small people some hope. Because it says, for who has despised the day of small things? It's easy to look at the insignificance within your hand and underestimate what a small thing like a stick can do. That's what, that's what Moses had. He just had a stick in his hand. And God said, that stick, I'm going to use it. I'm going to do something great. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I'd always grab sticks. And I, I mean, some of you men, what do you, what do you think I turned that stick into? A sword? What else would I turn it into? He turned into a gun, a knife, a sword. It'd be all kind of axe. I don't know. I think. I tell you, to take two bats, and I take two baseball bats, and I would tape them with duct tape, and they were my my machine gun rocket launcher. And I'd have to put a little rope on top of that, or I a rope. I don't even know what I found. But hook it together, and I would put it over me, and act like I was Rambo. And some of you kids, you have no idea who Rambo was. <laughs> no idea who Commando was either. Come on, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know Arnold. I used to grow up on all that stuff. But all the stuff I took in, and that's what I believed. I had Predator when he had the rocket launcher. You shouldn't watch that movie today. But I just remember he had a grenade launcher on that thing, and, and one dude had a shotgun and a, and a gun. Like, man, I was so cool. Why? Because my imagination, that's why the Bible says a childlike faith can do great and incredible things. Because you can imagine things like no other when you're a kid. But it's so easy to read through these stories in the Old Testament and not consider the reality of the situations that they faced. God literally placed a stick in the hand of a man who had a bounty on his life. He was being told to go back to a country that wanted to kill him. And God hands you a stick. He says, go, leave my people out. I should have got a stick. I thought I saw some drumsticks around here. Yeah, this is the closest thing you can give to the stick. This is all he had. He's like, God hands him this thing and says, hey man, this is what you're going to use. So I'm going to go to him. <laughs> you ever heard the concept, running into hell with a water gun? Yeah. Well, that was pretty much what Moses was going through. Moses is giving him, well, he has his own staff, and God says, I'm going to use that staff to do great things. He says, you're, you're going to use this thing. And you want me to go where? Want me to go back to a country that wants to kill me? And, and, and then you want me to, to tell the people that don't even know me that well anymore that, that I ran out on that I'm, gonna, I, I'm, I'm the one that's being called to help them and I got speech problems and I got insecurity issues and you want me to go do this? Yep, I do. And so God takes, he takes that stick and you know what that stick does? That stick is responsible through faith in the hand of God to do the nine plagues. It's that stick that he uses to raise up and also the parts the Red Sea. It's that stick that he uses to stand when they were when uh, Israel was in a battle and a fight. And as long as he had that staff up high like this, they would keep winning the war. Yeah. This little stick, this small thing, had so much power to do great things. Don't despise the small things that God has put in your hand. Yeah. Don't underestimate what's in your hand. 
Don't underestimate what God has put in front of you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't underestimate what God can do through your life. Well, come on, Pastor, you don't understand. I didn't grow up in the church. I don't know a whole lot about Christianity. That doesn't matter. Jesus can use anything. I always said it to myself. If God can use a donkey, he can use me. He used a donkey to preach to a prophet. That in a nutshell was Moses of Exodus 4. I assume some here can relate. But as Moses made excuses to why he can't fulfill God's call, God would counter with something profound. This small, insignificant piece of wood becomes a fierce tool administered through faith in the power of God. Hence, the prophet Zechariah's statement doesn't, do not despise the day of small things. In other words, if he was talking to Moses, he would say, don't underestimate what's in your hand, Moses. And we are no different as people. Instead of having sticks, we have this amazing thing called the Holy Ghost. He appears insignificant to us and the outside world. But we as a people of faith know he is significant, more significant than that. That Holy Ghost inside of you holds power to do great things through all of us. God did not make you, nor did he make me for mediocrity. Hear me again. God did not make me, and he did not make you. I can actually, because we're small enough, I can call each one of your names out. But I know you don't want me to go too long. So I'll save you that, that name being called out. But your name's there. You are not insignificant. You are not built and made for mediocrity. God has great things for you. You're not made to be average. You're not made to do something less. God has called you to do great and mighty things. And I know it's really hard for you to believe that right now. And you may feel that your impact on this world is small and insignificant. But hear this preacher this morning. That is a lie. And it comes from the pits of hell where the father of lies lives. And his name is the devil. He knows that if you get a hold of this reality of what you're holding in your hand, it might seem small, but it can do great things. It can do mighty things because God can do greater things than you because of your small potential. Yes, amen. Listen, don't tell that statement that insignificance of small things can't do anything. Don't tell that to people in the Bible. Don't tell that to a story that, that I, I, I didn't get a chance to write it down, but I remember some of it. There's a story, um, everybody knows like the little engine that could and all that stuff, where there's a little red, red lighthouse and a big gray bridge. And it's a story, but there's a lot of significant truth to it. This lighthouse was, was the thing that literally when the boats would come at night or through a fog or a storm, would literally be what gave them the direction to know where land was. And without that light, that little light of insignificance, that area that that boat would come to and would bring food. Who likes food? Yeah. Who, who likes clothing and all the goodies and cool stuff and, and things you can, you know, all that stuff? Well, that's what that boat would bring. But if it wasn't for the lighthouse, you never would have had it. That little lighthouse just sits there and does nothing besides shine a light and ding a bell. That thing had power. It brought great things to people. And if you didn't have that little lighthouse, you wouldn't have had the things you needed. Because it didn't matter. I have a whole Bible here to back up what I'm saying. But if you, 
But if you don't believe me, then the words I'm preaching will just be the words on a page. Romans tells us faith comes by hearing. So my prayer again today is that what you are hearing today and will hear further will build up your faith. Listen to what the word of God says about small things that had significant impact on the kingdom of God. Turn your attention to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verses 8 through 13. Again, I'm, most of my stuff, I'm reading the New King James. But John 6 and 8 through 13 says, One of his disciples, Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother, said to him, talking to Jesus, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves. Say so he has five loaves of bread. And he had two small fish that he had two walleye. But what are they among so many? Because there was over 5,000 people that needed to feed. So then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down and number about 5,000. It says men. That's why we believe there's more. The, the Bible, especially the old times, they counted men. They didn't count the women and children. So therefore, there's a whole lot more people in this crowd. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which was left over by those who had eaten. Over 5,000 people were fed by five loaves of bread, which can't even feed my family, and two walleye. That's all they had. But what did God do? God, Jesus took it, and he made more of it. And listen, we, we read that in the Bible, we're like, yeah, and if I would tell you a story about, like, Ethiopia, God did a miracle and provided a lot. You wouldn't have that big of a problem believing that. Some of you might still doubt, but most people are like, I don't believe that in the third world country. But can you believe that happened in North Carolina about two years ago? They were, they were in a community, and they were doing a community event, and they were just feeding a bunch of poor people, and they were feeding a bunch of people, and they only had enough for 500 people, enough food. And there was over 1,000 people that showed up. And this one sister walks up, a guy named uh, Reverend uh, Huntley, he, she says, Brother, I don't know how it's happening, but we have fed over 800 people this time, and they fed over 1,000 by the end of it all. We feed over 800 people, and we still have more than enough food. Because it was almost like every time a scoop got put in, God just put another one back in. I feel there's a little bit of faith that some might believe that. But I'm telling you, God still does those things today. God can still use your hand to do great and mighty things. You might have nothing in your hand, but he can give you what you need to help somebody out. Because as a God we serve, do not underestimate the what is sitting in your hand. It might seem small and, and insignificant, but God can do great things with insignificant things. Right. He's going to look at you and say, don't underestimate what's in your hand. Well, pastor, I have offered my small contributions to God and I've never seen what they saw. Remember, I said it's about your impact on the kingdom of God. And the good news I have is another story for you. Mark 12. That would be a, two books to your left on your reading. If you're scrolling down, it should be back up. <laughs> it's kind of funny the things you talk about now. Mark chapter 12, 
Does it do this stuff on me? It never just wants to work forever. Why, 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 why? Fine. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money in the treasury. And many were rich, who were rich, put in much. Then one poor widow came in and she threw two mites, which make a quadrants. So he calls his disciples to himself and said to them, Surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she has and her whole livelihood. No, the lady's contribution did not pay off the building fund and the mortgage, nor did it provide enough food to feed the hungry. But the impact on the kingdom was great, according to Jesus. And Jesus in all of heaven took knowledge of what she did. And that's what matters most. It's what God does with what you provide. Once I release my insignificant offering of myself or things, the things that God or that God has placed in my life, then God can carry those small things to where he desires. There are countless other stories of men and women who possess small things of God or small things and God used those small things to have great impacts. Stories such as David and Goliath, Daniel and the lion's den, the three Hebrew, boy, Hebrew boys and the fiery furnace, the lepers in, in Kings, I think it's like Second Kings, when there was a great famine and they were, people were turning to eat humans. It was so terrible, so horrible what was going on. And these four lepers said, you know what? We're not going to eat each other. We might as well go back to the city so that we'll go back there. Maybe we might find some food. And if we don't and we find an army that's still there that wants to kill us, well, then they might as well kill us. But we need to go get some food. And they went back to that city and there was nobody there because God had scared the army off. And the lepers went in and God healed them and fed them and Israel turned its page again to having a revival just because of a bunch of little lepers. The harlot Rahab, she was a small situation, a small thing in the eyes of people. Listen, that's the point. So many times we compare ourselves and it's unwise to compare ourselves amongst ourselves because we do not know what God is doing in other people's lives. We have no idea the small things God's trying to do in everyone's life. You have Jonathan and his armor bearer. And then you got the 12 apostles who are pretty much the outcasts of society. I can go on. But listen to this. Even the devil understands the impact of small things. See, he will tell you that your small contributions mean nothing and they have little impact. But then he will turn around and little by little, he will place small temptations in your life that will eventually evolve to become 10 foot long pythons. Because yeah. that's what he does. He will put little things in your life. See, he tells you, you're too small to be used. You're too insignificant. Your past is too, too tainted and too messed up for God to ever use you. You haven't been in the church long enough to do this. You haven't been around long enough to do that. But then, that same lying devil that tells you little things don't matter, then he puts little things in your life that tempts you little by little. Before any of you know it, you are falling away from God completely. 
And it was a small thing because he understands the power of small things. Here's a book of the Bible you might not ever read. And if you do, you might want to be careful when kids get a hold of it. It's, it's a pretty uh, passionate uh, book of the Bible. But songs, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. It's about one of the only non-so intimate parts of the entire book. But Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. says, catch us the foxes and the little foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. In other words, foxes, they can be so little and they can be so cute, but they can also be so vicious and so destructive. Many times in the spiritual world, these little foxes will reveal themselves as little lies. Words like you will never be able to overcome your past or your mistakes will never be able to be fixed. Or see, that prayer, that little prayer with your kids, it didn't do a whole lot. Another one could be skipping Bible reading today will not affect you. It's just one day that you didn't pray. It's okay. But we all know these are lies, yet we believe them and they control us through fear and worry. These little foxes can spoil the entire vine. They can destroy the entire tree that God is building in your life. But we all know these little foxes begin to spoil the entire thing. And what God's trying to build in your hearts, that little fox, a little lie starts messing with you. Another little lie is regarding salvation. Some people think, oh, I could just repent and it'll be okay. No, listen, the Bible's going to tell you baptism isn't a big deal. Oh, it ain't a big deal. And if you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, it's okay. You're okay. The devil will tell you that. But that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that, that we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. That's the removal of our sins. Yeah. Amen. Yes, he forgives our sins when we ask for forgiveness, but the stain is still there. Right. we got to go to the waters of baptism for God to pull that right out of us and to completely wash us. And the Holy Ghost, oh, you just get that when you believe. There's no scripture that tells us that. The scripture says that once you know you got the Holy Ghost, because like everybody else in the book of Acts, they begin to speak a language that nobody else knew. Or they didn't know themselves, I should say. They spoke in tongues. The Holy Ghost and baptism are extremely important. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you they're not. Listen, small things, you don't think they can do much? Why don't you ask Lot's wife that question? That woman, she turned one time, one little look back at Sodom and Gomorrah. One little look back turned her into a pillar of salt. Yes. You tell Anas, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, you ask them, their little lie ain't going to hurt much. No, their little lie got them killed. Don't let the devil tell you that this little thing is not going to destroy you. That little look, that little flirt with that woman that you shouldn't be flirting with. That's something you're looking online you shouldn't be looking at. Or you uh, mess around with money or you're lying about something, cheating the system. Whatever it could be. Maybe it could just be prayer. That's oh, okay. I didn't have enough time to pray today. I'll, I'll make it okay tomorrow. Oh, I can get by a couple days without Bible reading. I'll be just fine. I'm telling you, it starts piling up and piling up and piling up. And before the end you know it, that little thing. It's got a big old weight on your shoulder and you're just carrying it everywhere and you don't know how to get it off because it's stuck to your back like the hunchback in Notre Dame. Yeah. It won't leave you. It's just stuck. Mm-hmm. You literally need God to come in and just chop the whole thing off. Mm-hmm. And when God does that, you can't tell me it can be painful. Right. You've got to adjust your back. You think the chiropractor hurts. Right. Chiropractor hurt, something like that. No. There's something spiritual like that in your life that's going to hurt. 
But sometimes I am thankful. I tell God all the time, God, if you ever see me messing around, you ever see me doing something that's not right, if I start slowly fading away from the truth, I want you to do whatever you got to do in my life to get me right back on track. I don't care if you got to give me something in my life. You got to give me cancer or something. I don't care. I want to go to heaven. What's going on in this earth is only going to go away. It's going to pass away in the rapture. It's all going to burn up at the end. I want to make it to heaven. I want to go there. We can't let the devil convince us that what God has given us in talents and giftings and our children and life itself is not significant enough for him to use. It's a lie. I'm going to bring this in for a landing with one more example. Jesus spoke about the mustard seed on two occasions in the scripture. One was to compare to our faith. And the other example was the impact something small has on the kingdom of God. The first example, Jesus says, if we would only have the faith of a mustard seed, then we can move what? We can move mountains. A mustard seed, if you do not know this, it is the smallest seeds of all seeds. And Jesus, all we have to do is have a little bit of faith, according to Jesus, and we can move mountains. Think about that. You think, oh, I don't have enough faith. All you need is just a little bit of faith. Yeah. See, what God does is he takes our little bit. Yeah. He takes our five pieces of bread and our two walleyes, and he turns it into an abundance of food to feed over 5,000 people. Right. That's what God can do with what's in your hand. Don't take your little talent. It's because that's the problem we have. We want to see everything on the earth. We want to see things come to fruition. We want to see everything happen. But God is saying, why don't you just trust me? That I'm using what you have to make great impact. Don't let the devil lie to you. He lies to way too many men especially. He says, your job is nothing. Look at that person next to you. He makes more money than you. You're just, you're, you're just pathetic. You don't even, you have nothing to offer. You, 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 need, you, you need something greater. Because uh, us men, obviously one of the first things we ever do when we meet each other is where do you work? What do you do for a living? Because we, we, we measure that. Unbeknownst to ourselves, we measure that. Oh, you're a lawyer. Okay. Or you're whatever. But I can tell you, there's there's a great, uh, there's a guy, There's it's on Social media somewhere, probably you find it on YouTube. It's a, it's a black guy. He's kind of short, stocky, um, and he's uh, he's graduating. He was asked to uh, speak at commencement uh, thing at a seminary, and he talks about his talks about the. And I've, I've spoken this before. He talks about the wisdom of a third grade dropout. Yeah. He talks about his father was a third grade dropout, and his father was a janitor. His father was not what you would say at the pedestal of all the kind of, uh, of jobs out there. But he was one of the wisest men because he read books like he was, like he was starving or something. Yeah. Like they were food. Like he knew so many. He could quote so much. To you. He would, there's, there, his, his wife one time asked him, because he'd get up at 3.30 in the morning to start his day. And, and, his, and his wife one time says, she said, she, this, this is how she said it. This is how he said it. She said, said, Daddy, why do you get up so early? He said, Mom, because I want my kids to catch me doing something next I want them to catch me in excellence. I want them to catch me doing something great. Yeah. 
Oh, come on, they're not doing something great. You're not climbing Mount Everest. You're not like the star on a team, or you're not the number one salesperson, or whatever that is in life. It doesn't matter to God. What matters to God is what's inside this heart. If you're giving your all to God, you look at the Apostle Paul. His job was insignificant. He was a tent maker. A tent maker. Man, he was lucky that far out. He was a tent maker. It's like they call it like the the splash zone. Like if he's probably the far enough. Church we went to the Dallas the cities of the community center, man, they're like right here. That's <laughs> 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 <just> lost everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing that happened. Is that the enemy will try to convince you that your life is insignificant. But see, God can use a tent maker like Paul to plant numerous churches across Asia. Yeah. By one man, he burned the pages. He burned the pages of writing letters. And all the stuff we're reading in the New Testament was by a tent maker. He's yeah. a tent maker. Don't tell me your job or your place or your position. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you are doing great things to raise those kids. And if you're a single parent, God bless you for taking care of those kids. That is not easy to do. I've seen moms with five kids. I'm like, man, I have no idea how you do it. But God bless you. A musician could come as I close. The second example of the mustard seed that Jesus gives us is found in Matthew 13. In verses 31 through 32. Reading from the New Living Translation. It says, here's another, another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. And it grows into a tree and birds can come and make nests in its branches. What is Jesus saying? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus is saying that the people you and I look up to that are giants spiritually and just their impact all are small in comparison to the big picture. But their impact is great and people lean and sit on their branches of impact. Not because they have some special gift that we don't nor is it their faith in God. No, it's, it's their faith in God that can do anything through them. I hate spell checking. And the problem we face as a people of God is that we are always focusing on the now and today. We want to see impact fast and we want to see it immediately. But that is not how the kingdom of God works we also want to see the impact and if it's not like brother and sister so-and-so or my co-worker that person then it's not big and not significant but the question I have is who told you that whoever told us that the small contribution you make today that little thing in your hand has no value in God's kingdom, that was the devil that said that in ourself, but in God's kingdom, it's about embracing the uncontrollable, such as our seasons of life. 
It's making small and steady contributions as we, as we spoke on Wednesday night. And having faith that God will produce the increase that God wants to do in our lives. Listen, some of the greatest preachers and pastors and missionaries and people of God are only well known. There's some, what I'm saying is there's some that are so great that nobody knows them unless they're in this immediate circle. And sometimes their impact is not known until they're gone. Not many know the Tribbett family in Grand Rapids beyond what I have shared. No, they're not known in North Dakota or California. But if you go into the church of Grand Rapids and start talking to people, you will find people like myself and my wife will say their fingerprints are on our life and other things in that church. Let's stand. See, to you, these people, they don't, you don't really know them. They're not much of anything. But if I could, I would put their picture back in that wall versus the wall of heroes because they're my hero. back home after I see some people at the gas station or at the restaurant my waitress or waiter and I go home and I write down a note about them just last night I was over here holiday no no Dollar General and I was leaving Dollar General I had come in and but I remember I had spoken to a guy just for about two seconds, one of the, one of the workers there. His beard is kind of a little heavy set. 
I remember his face, and it's going to be written down because I want to pray for him. No, he didn't ask me. I didn't get his name, and I'm going to pray for him. There was a lady, she was a really upbeat girl. I was pretty surprised because it was the end of the night. Maybe that's why. She had pink hair. She had glasses. She was looking at her phone. She welcomed me in with a great grief. And I said, goodbye, great night. She gave me the same thing. Her information got written down. Because I want to pray for her. Because that's what we have to do. Don't think your prayers won't change other people. Because your prayers can't change. Your prayers can't do things. And don't think again that your family is not significant of God wants to do something great in every person's family in this place right now. So right now, what I want to do is I want to open up these altars and give you an opportunity to pray and just ask God to minister to you. And I want you to ask God, God, help me believe what this preacher's saying this morning. Help me understand, believe what pastor's telling me, that I want to believe him, that what's in my hand, I'm not going to underestimate it. I'm not going to underestimate it. These altars are open. Why don't you get a ground? Why don't we gather around? Why don't we just find a place to pray and just ask God to minister? Minister in your life, minister in your circumstance. Oh, Jesus, help us, God, right now. God, help us right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I want you, God, to minister to every heart, every person, every soul, God. In Jesus' name, God. Oh, God, oh, God, everywhere in this place, just close your eyes. Close your eyes and just bow your head and just pray. God, I pray, I believe there is people in this place that you have great significance for everyone in this place. You have a plan. You have a purpose. And you're going to do something great. Oh, God, we ask you right now, in Jesus' name, minister, God. Minister to every heart, every person. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Help everybody, God. Do not underestimate God. Do not underestimate what you have for them. Oh God, we pray right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.